1: platform that is here to empower you to embrace your most authentic self and celebrate your own version of beauty whatever that might be i'm chloe and i'm making it my mission to help people find and live their truest selves if you're enjoying listening to the podcast and taking things away from it hit the follow and subscribe button share with friends and on your socials i'm at the very beginning of the scenes of beauty journey and it helps more than you know to grow the platform following the episode with Luna Daily a few weeks back and posting a couple of clips about the vagina on social media that went absolutely wild I wanted to create an episode with Lady Garden who are a foundation that raise awareness and funding for gynecological health. Alex Huxford is the brand manager at Lady Garden and we sit down for a lesson on gynecology because like a lot of people that will listen to this I didn't know much about what was happening down there And to be completely honest, I wasn't 100% comfortable with knowing so little. So I asked Alex to give us an overview of the gynecological journey that we all go on as women and what to expect along the way. We go into things like smear tests and what to expect at our appointments, how our body changes throughout pregnancy and how to cope with menopause, which is something I think a lot of us won't have ever really thought about prior to listening to this. But I think it's really important info for us all to have. The main thing that came from this conversation was to know your own normal. Alex shares some really useful things that we can all do to check out our own vaginas and to get to know them a little bit better. At Lady Garden, September is Gynecological Cancer Awareness Month. So please, please go and check out their website. I've linked it in the show notes. And if you do anything at all this month, I ask you to learn at least one thing about your gynecology that you didn't know before. Here's Alex's version of beauty. A little reminder to the Scenes of Beauty listeners that we still have 20% off all Lunar Daily products on their website with code SCENES20. That's S-C-E-N-E-S-20. All details and the link to their website are in the show notes. Okay, so hi Alex. Hi, how are you? Yeah, really good thanks. How are you? Good, thank you. Thank you for having me. No, you <laughs> are welcome. Welcome to the Scenes of Beauty podcast. It's great to be here. Um,
2: just, yeah, tell us who you are. my name is Alex. I work at the Lady Garden Foundation and for those that don't know the Lady Garden Foundation is a national women's charity um, that raises funds and awareness for the five gynaecological cancers. Um, So we are raising money that goes to the Royal Marsden which is the oldest cancer hospital in Europe Um, and we fund research projects, we fund equipment, We funded research fellows, a whole variety of different things. Um, We do a lot of education work and, yeah, just basically trying to increase the conversation and knowledge of the five different cancers. Um, Well,
1: firstly, I didn't know there was five different
2: cancers. There are five. Which (laughs) we'll go into. Yeah.
1: But this conversation recording podcast has come about because we... um, Katie from Luna Daily was um, yeah. on the podcast a few weeks ago. I love Katie. Yeah, and she... <laughs> I'd never heard of Lady Gavard Foundation before, and she sparked something in me that was like, bloody hell, I don't mm. know anything about my body and the female anatomy, but I also don't know anything about the health that surrounds it, yeah. which I found quite worrying, and then... We obviously put the episode out, which had a lot of questions about, and then also we put videos out there that have gone viral because, to me, that means that people actually don't know much about their own vaginas either. Um, So I was keen to have you guys on because you need to teach us the way (laughs) and
2: tell us. um, Well, don't panic. You're not alone. There's a lot of people that don't know all of those things yeah Um, and that's why we do what we do Mm -hmm. um it's not going to be something that's kind of fixed overnight um but we're working tirelessly to increase that knowledge and increase that education because i guess as women we should we should know what's going on down there we should know what all the different parts are what they're called what they do um and yeah it's just increasing that knowledge because it is frightening how many people don't know. And that includes myself. Like, when I started at Lady Garden, I didn't know the amount. Obviously, I know now. And I'm living and breathing it every day for work. So I yeah. appreciate that I do know more than the average person. But, yeah, it's just making sure that people understand what's going on. Because it's important and it shouldn't be ignored. Yeah, you know? and I
1: think it's kind of wild that we don't get taught it at school, which mm. I think is something Katie flagged also. But that's surprising And also, I think we just neglect Mm. ever knowing anything about it. We neglect smear tests. We neglect anything that's not our personal normal down there. We just... Even I just said down there. there. It's just Yeah.
2: yeah. It's a weird, though, because, like, what always makes me laugh is, like, blokes absolutely glorify and idolise their penises. And, like, they whap about every occasion. You know, they're proud (laughs) to show them off. They talk about them, like, you know, they're just heralded and yet we're all so coy about our fannies and like we shouldn't be no it's you know like if if something was wrong with I think Katie said something similar on, on the podcast but if like there was something wrong with your elbow or your arm or you know there was something on your leg that wasn't there last week or something you'd you'd do something about it so I guess just because some of it's internal and you know it's all under your pants doesn't mean it's just like out of sight out of mind it should not be that way at all you should be very well acquainted Yeah. With what's in your pants. You should. And celebrate it like blokes do. (laughs) (laughs) Frankly. (laughs) Why do they get the limelight all the time? Yeah. (laughs)
1: Um, Yeah, we should. No, I completely agree. But where do you think... Why do you think we are so, like, antsy about it and, and discreet and whispery and... I don't know, I don't...
2: Honestly, I don't know. It's come from years of, like, just... That's just how it's always been, and I don't understand it at all. I don't know, is the honest answer. Like, why we're all so funny about it.
1: It's strange, isn't it?
2: Like, it's... Like, what the female body can do is mind-blowing. Like, I have just had a child, actually. My daughter's just turned one. And, like, you know, I went through pregnancy and seeing, it, like, the changes in my body and everything. And, like, if I ever sat back and really thought about what was going on, like, it's utterly mind-blowing. Yeah. And yet we just, like, you know, don't talk about it. Yeah.
1: It it is. We'll talk about pregnancy in a little bit because I think that would be interesting for how your body's changed. Yeah. But let's just talk about Lady Garden a little bit and just go into it a little bit more thoroughly. Mm-hmm. Maybe in layman's terms for people like me who don't always understand these kind of things, Um, but a bit deeper into how you work as a foundation and then how you work with brands, how you raise awareness, how you spread education.
2: Yeah. So I'll give you a bit of backstory on on the foundation and how it kind of all started. Um, So the Lady Garden Foundation was actually founded in 2014. Um, Back then it was known as the Gynaecological Cancer Fund. And it came about because um, basically the co-founders all got together because they had all either themselves or people they knew had experiences with gynecological health and they realised that the conversation wasn't there and nothing was being spoken about. It was all very hidden. And the co-founders are a group of powerhouses, to put it bluntly. Um, so when they got it's something...
1: by by eight, is it eight?
2: Yeah, so there's um, several different co-founders. But some of them sadly lost their mothers to ovarian cancer some of them had personal experiences where they'd been for a smear test and had abnormal cervical cells but they'd all had a personal experience of some sort and they just realized that there was not enough conversation going on there was not enough awareness and they just got together and said right well let's do something about this yeah. and one of the co-founders is a lady called Mika Simmons and her neighbor actually at the time. Yeah, possibly still is, I'm not sure, um, is a lady called Dr. Banerjee, and she is an oncologist at the Royal Marsden. So Mika spoke with Dr. Banerjee, and that's kind of how the relationship with the Royal Marsden started as well. And it started out as a project, really, to kind of raise a certain amount of money to fund some research projects, and I think it just snowballed and went so successfully that they thought, actually, there's something in this. Let's keep going. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, eight years later, here we are.
1: Yeah. So And so yeah that's really interesting isn't it because it's got me thinking like as the reason it's snowballed is because there is this need to know more, yeah. more and, and this curiosity that you yeah. need to know more
2: so the very first campaign they did was what do you call yours and it was basically a campaign to get women talking and to have a conversation by sharing what women call their private parts right so obviously it's very important that women know the correct anatomical names for what's going on down there What's going on down there? Why am I even talking about that now? <laughs> Sorry, take that out. <laughs> but the campaign worked so brilliantly because it got the conversation started and it got men involved as well. Like this is not a charity specifically for women and only for women. Like this is for blokes as well because these kind of cancers can affect your mum, your auntie, your sister, your daughter, like any female friend, like whoever. So it was a campaign to, as I said for people to share the different names they had and it was kind of like yeah there was a reverence and yes there was fun to it and you know we can all have a giggle about like fanny and vagina and all the different names but the important bit was that there was then a conversation and that was what mattered and I think there's lots of people that are kind of funny I guess sometimes about nicknaming your vagina Mm
1: -hmm.
2: and I understand that and I and I get that but I think at the end of the day, like it, as long as you know what the different parts are called and you understand what they do, if you want to call it your fufu or your nunu or you know the Pearl Hotel or whatever you want to call it, that's fine. As long as you know what's going on and as long as the conversation's happening, I don't think it really matters, to me anyway. That's my opinion. Why
1: is it important to know what's happening? Like, what? Why is it important to know the different parts to understand them
2: well there's lots of different parts that make up the gynae anatomy and I think people just think vagina and actually 99% of people not an official statistic most people will refer to what is actually the vulva as the vagina Um, and I know you talked to Katie about this on the podcast as well but the vagina is the internal part of your anatomy and the vulva is the external bit. Yeah. So actually most people, when they refer to a vagina, don't even know what they're talking about. They're talking about the wrong thing.
1: Yeah, which is the video that went viral. Yeah. And it's basically Katie saying what you just said, um, that the vagina is the internal bit and the vulva is the external bit because me and that the stats on that video are telling me that millions of women also think the same. Well, yeah. we know they do because, yeah. yeah, that's
2: the... Yeah. general
1: conversation
2: and I think it's important well it is important as well because everyone's are different everyone's look different yeah. everyone's bodies are different in general and everyone's you know like women go through different things throughout the month their periods they're bloating this that and the other and it is different for everyone and I guess it's about what it's about knowing what's normal for you mm. know you're normal right so if you know that in the lead up to your period you get bad bloating this that and the other you know to expect it because you know that that is completely normal and regular for you so if that was to to for example not be normal for you and then that happened you would recognize that and therefore hopefully realize that maybe something was going on that you needed to have investigated or just to speak to someone about um you know everyone's periods are different some people have super heavy ones some people have really light ones and and i guess with the five cancers well first of all going back to that there are five which mm-hmm. people don't necessarily know yeah. and the, the signs and symptoms of all of them are different okay. but there's common ones throughout so it's like irregular bleeding bleeding after sex extra bloating when it's not expected and things like that so that's why knowing your normal is so important so that you recognize when something out of the ordinary is happening mm-hmm. and then you go and speak to someone about it yeah. or get it looked at
1: yeah how do you know, because I've actually been having a lot of conversations lately with my friends about periods and bloating. Because mine and I probably, a lot of other people's have changed. You've just had a baby, so yours have probably, your cycle's probably yeah. changed dramatically.
2: Your periods change every seven years naturally anyway. Okay. Like as a, a, yeah, as like throughout your period lifespan as it were yeah. they tend to change every seven years they so the periods that you used to have when you were 18 are probably not the same periods that you have at 38
1: no um yeah yeah well that this is what I was going on to say because mine are drastically different that um I get a week of really heavy pains I've never had that before yeah. ever um so that's obviously a difference but I guess it's quite hard to tell or I guess for some people it is it is hard to differentiate, especially when women are on hormones and then they're not on hormones yeah. and um, contraception. Yeah, Is
2: contraception, hormones. I'd yeah. say as a general rule of thumb, if you are experiencing something that's out of the ordinary for you and it lasts more than two weeks, okay, I would go and speak to someone. Okay. And I, and when I say speak to someone, I'm not saying like call at the doctor's, to get an emergency appointment, like run panicking about it. Yeah, it could be speaking to your mates and going. By the way, I've got this. Like, have any of you ever had this? Because it might be something that. Loads of people you know have experienced too, and and it is completely normal. Or yeah. or do go and speak to a nurse or a doctor just for peace of mind. It doesn't mean something's necessarily horribly wrong. Yeah. Um, it's just good to be on top of these things, basically. Yeah. In the same way that you've got to keep on top of your smear tests and yeah, keep up to date with all that.
1: And how how often? Smear test for every three years, every five yeah. years? See, I don't even know that. This is so it's every
2: three years from the age of 25. Okay. And then I think they stop at 64.
1: Okay. So there'll be people listening to this who have avoided a smear test. Yeah. And there'll be people listening to this who hate going for smear tests. Mm-hmm. And there'll be people listening to this who feel completely uncomfortable with smear tests so let's go through that process of most people dread booking it most people dread going it's not a nice thing but let's talk about what to experience at a smear test what happens um, and then
2: what to expect afterwards sure so you are invited by the NHS to have smear tests from the age of 25 as I said they will usually write you a letter. Um, so just make sure the doctors have your up-to-date details Um, and then you're invited in and then your um, sample is then sent off for testing I'll go into the process in a second Mm -hmm. and provided everything is fine they tell you all is tickety-boo we'll see you again in three years Um, so I was the same with my first smear test absolutely dreaded it so I totally get why people are freaked out by it um, and why people get nervous I think I've I'd have to work it out now I've had a few now, <laughs> so I'm, like they don't scare me so much. But um, yeah. So all it is is it's not a test for cancer. It's a test to... Oh, I thought it was. No, okay. so a smear test is to basically check the health of your cervix. Okay. Um, and that is by checking to see if there's the presence of HPV, which is human papillovirus. I'm not very good at saying that word. <laughs> um, and the detection of that HPV can lead can, being the important word there, can lead to changes in the cells of your cervix, which then could lead to cancer. Okay. So it is not a test to see if you have cancer, it's to see if the HPV is there. Now, HPV is like exceedingly normal, right? Basically, most people over a certain age, you're likely to get it. If you're sexually active, you're likely to get it. So it's HPV in itself is not something to be freaked out by. Um, a lot of the time it goes away on its own. It's completely normal. Um, however, in some cases, as I said, it can change the cells in your cervix. And that's what, if they detect that, they will then do a biopsy of your cervix and just check. And then obviously it goes on from there. But it's, it's you know, most of the time that's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, but I guess in terms of a smooth test, I can talk through like what happens from... Start to finish. So, So, um, as I said, it's checking the health of your cervix, and that's obviously cervical cancer. So that's only one of the five gynaec cancers as well. Mm -hmm. Um, There aren't actually tests, routine tests available to check for the other four, um, but we'll do more on that in a minute. Um, So you're invited for your smear test. It's usually with a nurse. Um, you'll turn up and you'll go into the room and you'll sit down and you'll have a very short chat with the nurse or doctor and they'll ask you questions like, when did you finish your last period? Have you got any concerns? like Things like that. So it's all very um, routine, simple questions. Um, What I usually do, I actually track my periods on a period tracking app. Um, yeah. Which and then I, do you use? I use Flow. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, so then I take my phone with me because then I can quite accurately give them information if they want it, you know, how long was your cycle, et cetera. They don't necessarily always ask that detail, but at least you've got it to hand. Yeah. Um, so I'd really recommend period tracking apps. Um, so after that, they will then ask you to lie down on the bed. <clears throat> but you need to take your trousers and your pants off. Obviously, if you have a skirt or dress on, you can just pull that up. They will pull a curtain across to protect your modesty as it were um, or they'll leave the room while you do that um, so you take your pants off and then you just lie down on the bed and then they'll give you some tissue to cover just mm-hmm. in case you're nervous or you know embarrassed or whatever it doesn't matter you're all covered up everyone's fine then they'll come back in the room and then what they'll ask you to do most of the time is put your, the soles of your feet together mm-hmm. and then basically let your knees fall mm-hmm. and that just opens up your vagina, so they can then get to where they need to be to do what they need to do. They then insert something called a speculum, which, if you don't know what it looks like, Google it. It looks hor- like horrifying. It I going to say, so or frightening. Don't it. <laughs> but, or don't Google it. Honestly, it's really not as horrifying as it looks. So, what a speculum does is it essentially opens up your cervix so that they can then take the sample. It looks like sort of, I don't know, some weird plastic device, but it's it's not quite <laughs> frightening as it looks, I promise, promise, promise. Um, so they will put the speculum in, and that is, as I said, just to open up your cervix, and then all they do is insert a really little brush. I always think of it as like one of those um, brushes that you do your eyebrows um, with. spoolie. Spoolie. It's a bit like a spoolie, but softer. Um, so they put this little brush in, and they just literally do a little sweep round with it to get some cell samples on the brush, Take the sample out, put that in a tube, then they'll remove the speculum. Bob's your uncle, you're done. Okay. Pants back on. Happy. So it
1: takes about two minutes?
2: It's so quick and easy. Okay. And going back to the speculum, if you are nervous and find that a bit too intimidating, you can actually ask to put it in yourself.
1: Oh, okay.
2: Yeah. Um. Hello. Which I think a lot of people don't know. But if, you know, for your first test, if you are really nervous, they'll probably they'll obviously guide you and show you yeah. what to do, but you can do that yourself. And you can ask for a smaller speculum. They come in more than oh, okay. one size, it's not a one size fits all thing. So, again, if you're particularly nervous, you can ask for a smaller one um, and put it in yourself. Whatever it takes. Okay. Like at the end of the day, I guess my advice is this test is designed to help you out and to, to support you. So, you've got to make it work for you. So if yeah. you're nervous, you tell that nurse you're nervous. Yeah. And you explain your concerns and they will talk you through it and, you know, do it at your own pace. And if you turn up and you and you have all that and you just still don't feel quite ready, go away and come back or take a friend with you or take your mum with you or whoever, yeah. you know, is going to put your mind at rest. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I never knew that about asking for different sizes or doing it yourself. Yeah. That's really useful to know because I think... It's intimate and I think people are worried about it because it's the C word, mm. and yeah. which, you know, I didn't, I always thought it would, that's yeah. what they were testing for. Um,
2: and it's, it's, it's a it's, test to prevent cancer, yeah. not a test for cancer, right? Yeah. So, and, you know, and so what they, sorry to finish off, what they do mm-hmm. is they then send off those samples to be tested and that's to check for the presence of HPV, which can yeah. cause these changes, as I said. If there is anything detected or anything they're concerned about, they'll invite you back, Mm -hmm. and then you'll probably have something called a colonoscopy. No, colposcopy. Sorry, got the word wrong. Colposcopy. And that is, again, it's intimate. It's just going back in and taking a small sample of the tissue, which they then send off for further testing. Okay. But that's, I don't know the exact stats on it, but that's not something that happens to everyone. So don't panic that that's necessarily going to happen to you.
1: Okay. Okay. Okay, and then what happens? So, send off for testing, results come back. They usually don't contact you, do they, if you've got no...
2: No, so if everything's fine, they'll usually just send you a letter um, and literally say, like, the results were fine, there was nothing to be concerned about, we'll see you in three years. Okay. And then you can literally put it out of your mind. Okay. Although I actually diarise it. I, yeah, I put it in my own diary just to remind myself, like, oh, you've got to go back at this time. Yeah. Because also, you know, what if the letter got lost? Or I'm not saying that would happen, but yeah. I just think it's good for me to know when, roughly, yeah. it's happening.
1: It is. Because the stats for people who don't go for smears are quite alarming, aren't they?
2: Mm. So, yeah, one in, one in three women don't go or avoid it, yeah. um, which is not a particularly great statistic. No, because also, and I know it's so easy for me to sit here having done it and be like, it's fine, but like honestly, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, um, it's so quick, and it's just. I remember after my first one, I was really nervous, and I literally walked out and was like, oh, yeah, God, that was so easy. Yeah, like, and it doesn't hurt. That's the other thing. I think people are really freaked out that it's going to really hurt. It's like an, it's like a weird sensation. Yeah, I don't really know how else to explain it. It's just a yeah. weird sensation, but it's not pain so much they're not you know in there with a trowel scraping the whole, <laughs> everything out it's it's just an odd sensation yeah a bit but like yeah. you know if you think about putting a tampon in yeah it just feels a bit weird doesn't it
1: yeah okay.
2: it's worth actually also looking at the nhs website if you want to um know more because it explains everything that goes on um but also there's a really nice little animated video of what happens. Okay. Shows you speculum, etc., and literally okay. what's happening internally. It's like a cross-section, so you can see. Okay. So if that also puts your mind at rest, that's definitely worth a watch. Just Google cervical screening NHS, and, yeah. it, and the link should come up. But I think I'll send you the link, and you can share it in the notes. Yeah,
1: I'll put it in the notes, and then, yeah, that's good, because I, I didn't know that either. Um, okay, just going back to five gynecological cancers
0: mm-hmm.
1: let's talk
2: about those because I didn't know yeah. that until I came across you guys so so there are five I always like hold my hand up with my five fingers and I'm like, <laughs> there are five guys remember there are five yeah um so there's obviously cervical which we've just talked about there is womb also okay. known as uterine cancer you can get ovarian cancer mm-hmm. vulval cancer and vaginal cancer yeah. So those are the five. I'm actually like continuously trying to think of a really clever acronym to help people remember the five, and I haven't quite worked it out, so maybe your followers can think of something <laughs> genius and help me because I'm drawing a blank. The best I've come up with so far is, well, of course vulvas vary. I'm okay. W-O-C-V-V, womb, ovarian, cervical, vaginal, vulva. And also, all vulvas vary, so it's actually just a helpful statement. It. I
1: like that. Yeah
2: i think it's smart happy to take better suggestions
1: (laughs) we can ask the audience um but yeah so they are five different cancers
2: five different cancers they are um they all i guess are more common or less common amongst different age groups they've all got different symptoms yeah there's there's a lot i guess um to try and remember for each of them but i've don't feel pressured necessarily to like i've got to research and revise these um it all goes back to what i was saying earlier of like knowing you're normal and knowing when something's not right yeah. um so it's you know things like bleeding yeah outside of your period bleeding after sex okay. um bloating change in bowel habits constipation weight loss yeah. um appetite could change it's just anything that's not normal for you and as I said if it's if it's persistent for more than two weeks yeah. um, we've actually got on our website a symptom tracker okay. so if there is something that you are concerned about then um, head to our website which is ladygardenfoundation.com and you'll see the symptom tracker and you can print that out or download it and then just fill in what symptoms you're having when just, okay. it's also quite helpful to then take to the doctor um, yeah. if you want to just show what what's going on yeah okay
1: in terms of this education, so I'll link the website, the Lady Garden website, in the notes. But how do you educate? Because I know you work with brands and then you obviously do your own activations, yeah. but how I'm just thinking about if people want to explore and find out for themselves, mm-hmm. go a bit deeper, because I think we're being quite surface level today yeah. because I think, you know, we had a, a prior conversation about let's just get awareness out there and let's not overwhelm people and Mm so if people do want to dig a bit deeper and find out more they go to your website but they can also channel in through brands or how else you educate
2: um so there's a ton of information on our website first of all um so there's literally more information on each of the five cancers what the different symptoms are what the treatments are for all of them different risk factors involved how each of them would be treated like there's a real deep dive into each of the five so if you want to know more about any of them in particular or all five go and check that out on the website um there's just so much information on there about who we are as well what we do why we're doing what we're doing um and then in terms of like the education side of things so Obviously, awareness is huge for us. So we like to work with a lot of brand partners because they can help us spread our messages and get to maybe audiences that haven't already heard of us. Um, There's lots of key kind of calendar moments throughout the year. There's obviously Cervical Cancer Awareness Month, um, Cervical Screening Week. There's September is actually Gynecological Cancer Awareness Month. So this month for us is just huge because it's really when the spotlight I guess is shone on these cancers more than normal um, yes. and it's a really great time for us to try and really push the conversation um, so we tend to work with a lot of brands during September as well and that you know it could be anything like we're donating X amount um, of funding to the Lady Garden in turn for this product, but then this is all the information you need about who they are and what they do and why we're supporting them. And yeah. yeah, our brand partners are hugely important to us, um, yeah, and have done amazing things at helping us spread spread the news.
1: Yeah, and it just you know, the conversation with Luna Daily just goes to show yeah. I d- literally didn't even know, yeah, I'd never heard of Lady Garden prior, so it's, it's yeah. it is, it is, I understand the importance of that. Definitely. Should we talk about women in the different stages of? their lives and our cycles because they think we change a lot we spoke about pregnancy tiny bit yeah and i'm really keen to speak about menopause because we don't know anything about menopause and then you know i'm 31 i'm, I'm not there obviously yet but you don't think we don't think about no. it as women until it hits and then we're like fuck what is it yeah. what do we expect like what, yeah, yeah. what's going on and um, and i actually think that's a a wider piece that
2: yeah. I just don't think we talk about it. No, um, I do think the conversation around menopause is increasing at the moment, which is amazing and yeah. as it should be. Yeah. Obviously, we would love the conversation to be increasing around all aspects of a sort of your lady garden journey, as it were. But I think the fact that the menopause alone is is being talked about more is brilliant, and long may it continue. And the conversation should just keep going around that and periods and fertility yeah. and smear tests and all of it every single part of it so we kind of talk about the journey that you go on with your um vaginas and vulvas and everything throughout your life and I guess it starts with your period okay. which can come at any age really like I was thinking about it this morning knowing I was going to be speaking to you and like I didn't get my period till I was 16 like that's yeah. quite late like friends of mine got it when they were 11 yeah. so, so I think by the time I got mine I was quite fortunate in that all my mates had already got there so it was like quite a common topic I really kind of knew what I was what was coming my way as it were yeah. and actually I let say so weird but I genuinely remember getting my first period and I remember the exact toilet cubicle I was in at my school and I remember it happening and then I remember <laughs> running to find my friend and being like I've got my period <laughs> and it was like we celebrated it because it was like everyone had been like always clock watching waiting for mine to finally <laughs> arrive um <laughs> So, yeah, I guess it starts with periods. And, you know, as I said, everyone's are different. Some people's are heavier. There are so many options out there. Pads, tampons, period pants, you name it. So, you've got to do what works for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, you're looking probably at smear tests start at 25. And I think a lot of people also wonder why they start at 25. And there is medically backed rationale for that. Okay. Um, basically, in summary... They haven't found that there's any benefit to having your smear test any earlier than 25. Okay. Um, so I guess from an NHS point of view, they don't feel it's necessary. Um, that said, if you are really concerned and want one, you can push your GP for probably for one, I'd hope. Okay. Or if not, if this is an option available to you, try and um, get a referral for a gynaecologist. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, they don't really tend to start until they're 25. So, yeah, so you have smear tests from sort of 25 onwards. And then I guess you're looking more like the fertility part of your life, perhaps, if that's what you choose. Um, And that's like just a mad roller coaster of hormones and all sorts. Yeah. Um, And then, yeah, you kind of go from there to perimenopause. So let's just
1: pause on pregnancy a second and talk about that because, I've had a few guests on who have been pregnant and struggled with how their bodies changed, whether that's yeah. shape, um, their anatomy, hormones, dealing with emotions. So just explore and delve deeper into that. Yeah. because um, I just think it's interesting for the majority of the audience are women, the majority yeah. of the audience are between twenty four and thirty five.
2: Yeah. So it's relevant. Yeah. Um well I my daughter has just turned fourteen months. They've actually yeah. sort of only recently back from maternity leave, um, so I can share, I guess, my personal experience. Um, yeah. It's the only really sort of proper experience I can share. <laughs> um, so I actually was diagnosed with polycystic ovary syndrome a couple of years ago. Um, what is polycystic ovary? So <sighs>
1: it's again, you hear it's quite
2: yeah, it's again incredibly common PCOS. Yeah. Um, I'm happy to share how I found out that I had this by the way which some people would probably consider quite embarrassing but mm-hmm. I don't in the slightest. So I had some excess facial hair basically that was really bugging me and I thought I was an absolute genius because I would just tweeze it. And I was like, you know, you over-tweeze your eyebrows when you're younger and they never grow back, so I was like, I'll just keep tweezing. Oh, I'm brilliant, aren't I? You know. When you, do you say remember? excess
1: facial hair, do you mean like, like chin
2: hairs? But like a couple or Um Well, it started out, I guess, as a couple, like a couple of thick, black, spiky ones that you don't really want. I mean, I think all women have got that rogue chin hair that they can't stand, Mm -hmm. but I guess I had more than just the one, shall we say. So I started out just plucking them, thinking I was, you know, genius and they were all going to go. And then they didn't and they kept coming back and it was really bugging me. And then I got talking to um, a family member, actually, and she said she had the same thing. And that she had been to the, no, sorry, she didn't say about PCOS. She had had the same thing and she said that she had been for electrolysis treatment, which is basically the kind of only real permanent hair removal treatment I think that you can get. Mm-hmm. So I then explored this, found this lady near um, home that does it and started going to see her. And it was actually her that said to me, Have you by any chance spoken to your doctor about polycystic ovary syndrome? And I was like really casual and like brushed it off and was like, No, 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 I don't have that, like, because my periods are normal. Mm-hmm. She was like, no, I know, but like, I think it's worth maybe speaking to the doctor about it. Anyway, I did, I went to go and see the doctor and then they did an, an internal ultrasound. Um, so they literally put like a wand up there. I was an idiot and I literally thought it was going to be external ultrasound because I just heard ultrasound and thought like pregnant belly, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. So turning up and then they were like, no, no, you need to take your pants off for putting a wand up there. I was like, oh, right. Okay. But it's fine. Yeah. Um, and then got the results back and yeah, I had um, PCOS. So it's, it's literally like cysts on your ovaries, which sounds yeah. gross, but it's really common and normal. Yeah. And to, ha- to be diagnosed with the syndrome, you have to have, I think it's two of three um, symptoms. Okay. So that could be excess body hair. Um...
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot.
2: Oh, goodness. I'm going to forget the third one now. Um, it can affect your periods. And then there's one other, which I might need okay. to just triple check. But okay. so I obviously had the kind of excess hair and then I had the cysts and luckily my periods weren't affected. So I went, the doctor kind of formally diagnosed me as it were. And they, she said to me at the time, she said, look, you might struggle to get pregnant because quite classically, any woman that has PCOS can often take a bit longer to get pregnant than a lady that doesn't. So that was always in the back of my mind. And like having kids is something that has been so important to me, like literally since I was little. So it freaked me out, but I knew that there were options available to me should I start to try and and have problems. Then fast forward a bit, we went into lockdown. Uh, My boyfriend and I moved in together, bought a house together, like didn't let lockdown stop us, kind of got on with a load of stuff. And then I think one day we were just really casually driving over Putney Bridge, actually. And I was like, oh, can we just have a baby? And he was like, yeah, all right then. And I was like, what? <laughs> Don't mess with me. And, and, and it's, and we, and we would like agree to start trying. And, and I said to him, I went, look, the doctor said it might take over a year. I was like, so let's kind of get going and like see what happens. Yeah. And then I was really, really fortunate to actually fall pregnant pretty, pretty quickly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, very grateful for that, but if I hadn't basically had that kind of vanity moment over the facial hair and gone to get treatment, I wouldn't have then seen the doctor on her advice and I probably would still be none the wiser. Um, So that's also something I guess to kind of be aware of and look out for. You know, you can have extra weight gain as well as part of PCOS, especially around the stomach area. Um, So yeah, so anyway, so I got pregnant very quickly um, with my daughter and... Yeah, like, I actually really enjoyed pregnancy, and I know a lot of people have very different experiences, and again, I was just really lucky. I think I just really enjoyed being able to eat whatever I wanted, Um, I kind of really embraced that. Um, So pregnancy wasn't so bad for me, I I didn't have sickness or anything like that, but it's just mind-boggling, like, how your body changes, and, like, you just...
1: In what way, like, in...
2: Well, I was really hormonal like so everything just made me cry all the time like stupid adverts on TV like you name it I just sobbed all the time <laughs> it's ridiculous um but it's then not it's ridiculous, just
1: ridiculous because I think it's sorry I'm picking on this because no, no. i don't talk about like
2: I think the things that yeah. made me cry were silly not the fact that I was yeah, crying yeah, yeah. I mean yeah
1: um but yeah I don't like yeah it's not ridiculous because it's relevant and your body's yeah. changing and it's going through an unknown change. It's never been through before yeah. or it has been through before, but it's just different to your yeah, normal. Yeah.
2: Um, I think I was just so happy and like grateful to be pregnant because I kind of, I think, presumed the worst and presumed it wasn't going to be that easy that I just, when it happened, I was like, just so grateful and wanted to embrace it. I mean, that said, the first nine weeks, I think my partner would testify to this, like, I was incredibly anxious because I just wanted to hit that 12-week mark. It's like that golden number that everyone talks about, of like, you just got to get past 12 weeks and then it's kind of like, okay, from there. So I was really anxious. And also, I've, you know, got a lot of friends who've sadly experienced miscarriages and things like that. So I wasn't, like, ignorant to what could go wrong, I guess. Yeah. Um... But I was really, um, well, because of my anxiety around it, I actually spoke to the doctor and they sent me for an early scan um, at my local hospital, which also massively gave me peace of mind. So if you are in the early stages of pregnancy and you are freaking out a little bit, please know that there is the option to go and have an early scan. Um, It is an internal ultrasound, like I had with the PCOS. Um, But if it gives you peace of mind, which it massively did for me, then I'd hugely recommend it. Yeah. but yeah, like your body, you just you just have this thing growing in you and like to start with you don't, you know, feel so much going on in there in terms of like the baby kicking and things because it's still so small but you just get this little pot belly up here and I don't know. I really embraced it. I loved it um, but I did eat an extraordinary amount of Haribo and all sorts. <laughs> I was literally like the size of a blimp by the time I got to nine months. But I um, No, it was, it was fine for me and then um, my... I didn't have the most straightforward birth, so I don't know if that's triggering for someone and they maybe want to not listen to this next bit, but all was fine and all is fine. Um, But I, it was a weekend, we were at home watching TV and I basically couldn't feel the baby moving for about an hour, started to freak out, went and into hospital, had everything checked and everything was okay, but they then wanted to... What
1: stage were you at at this point? This is like
2: literally like 38 weeks, like, yeah, 38, no, 39 weeks. I was like about to pop basically. Um, and she was of a size where you kind of felt her moving all the time, and she hadn't moved for like an hour, and, you know, speaking out, went to the hospital, they put like these sort of straps around your belly and monitor the the baby, and typically as soon as I literally got to the hospital, they put the strap on and she kicked, and I was like, oh, okay, you're fine, Mm -hmm. (laughs) thanks for that. Um, And then I I kind of was, I guess, quite nervous, because I knew I was so close to the end and I didn't want something to go wrong, so I went in every day for monitoring, and like, honestly, the midwife team that I had would just phenomenal they're angels on earth like I just cannot speak highly enough of them Mm -hmm. um anyway they wanted to induce me because I was so anxious I think at that point um and I went in for the induction and then my sister-in-law had been induced and had kind of talked me through what happened and it didn't sound like it was maybe the most pleasant of experiences um and I just thought actually it feels like I'm intervening when I shouldn't so my uh, my boyfriend and I kind of had a conversation and decided that actually we'd leave hospital and just let nature take its course. So I think that was the Wednesday night. And then on the Friday night, my mucus plug mm-hmm. came out, which for people that don't know is basically like a mucusy kind of... what well, it is a mucus plug. It is what it sounds like. I
1: think a lot of people don't know about that. Either <laughs> yeah. my brother's... My sister-in-law, my brother's wife, has had two babies. And I she told me about that. I didn't know that was a...
2: I don't day. think everyone notices it or sees it or it doesn't like... It's not something that everyone maybe realises is happening. Yeah. But I got up in the middle of the night to go to the loo and wiped and was like, oh. And yeah. it just looks like a kind of really gelatinous discharge, basically. It yeah. um, had a very slight pink tint to it, I think. So then I was like, okay, I know what that is. And like, I, I wasn't overly stressed at that point. No, I just got back into bed and went back to sleep to <laughs> didn't even wake my partner up. It was all fine. Um, so that was like in the middle of the night on the Friday night. And then basically I spent all day Saturday in labour with my contractions then coming, and again I used an app. Apps a genius. Use an app to track the contractions,
1: okay. um,
2: and then when the contractions get to a certain regularity or like in, and close together for a certain period of time, the app sort of basically says to you, like, call your doctor now. Okay. So then I rang the um, hospital ward and told them, and they were like, "Do you know what? You sound like you're quite chilled. Like, stay at home as long as you can until like you can't bear it anymore or whatever." Mm-hmm. So I think I lasted another couple of hours and then I was like no no <laughs> enough now I was like and then yeah my daughter was born the following morning like in the early hours um but yeah she this might be the bit that people don't want to listen to but um I had a water birth which is what I'd wanted so that all kind of came together which was great um she came out um and then she they kind of realized, I think, quite quickly something wasn't quite right. So the midwife cut the cord and sort of took her straight off, whereas my boyfriend was planning on cutting the cord. Anyway, she just basically wasn't breathing quite as quickly as she was supposed to. So they just took her off to try and get her breathing. And I was quite chilled about it. I mean, I was pretty high on gas and air, but I kind of like, they're the experts. They know what they're do- they're doing. Um, meanwhile, I got moved over to this kind of giant bean bag, for want of a better expression, to then get the placenta out. So that's the other thing is like, you don't really realize you almost have to give birth twice. You give birth to the baby and then you've got to give birth again to the placenta, yeah. um, which obviously isn't quite the same size, but you kind of think like, oh, I've done it. Oh, and then you're like, oh yeah. God, I've got to go again. Go again yeah. So you like start pushing again. And then in short, the placenta detached from the umbilical cord for me. Okay. So um, basically the umbilical cord came out and the placenta didn't. Okay. Um, and so you do various things to try and get it to come out like you know pushing still and like sort of stood over the toilet it was all very unelegant um, and long story short it just wasn't coming and I think there's like a set period of time that you have basically to get it out and if you don't it like sort of starts to reattach and can be quite dangerous so anyway I got whisked into surgery and it was manually removed um, by a lovely lady with long arms Um <laughs> and and yeah, and then um, I spent like that day in recovery, like I'd lost quite a lot of blood, it was all a bit, I guess, concerning at certain stages, um, but as I said, I was, you know, yeah, I'd had quite a lot of gas and air, and I had an epidural at that point as well, so to be honest, yeah. I was fine, it was like it was worse than my boyfriend, bless him, um, and then, yeah, and then the next day, overnight, um, my daughter wasn't quite right, something wasn't going right, and... Um, turned out she had sepsis so we actually then spent a week in hospital just while she kind of got better yeah. so it was all quite a nerve-wracking start I'd say but yeah, yeah. She's, thorough, she's like okay. yeah she's flourishing she's absolutely fine yeah. I'm absolutely fine the aftercare received receives amazing I had mental health support afterwards to talk through everything that happened they offered the same to my boyfriend yeah. um yeah I honestly it was phenomenal yeah um, should we
1: talk about that mental health support And changes to your body post-pregnancy and how, I mean, talk about it from your perspective and experience or, and talk about it from a wider perspective and what can we expect to change and happen hormonally and physically when we've given birth.
2: So I think in my mind, I was like a bit naive of like, oh, I'll just give birth and then I can just pop my old jeans back on and saunter around the hospital and all's going to be great. doesn't really work like that. Um, I think that's probably the bit I struggle with the most was the weight gain. Um, I think I put on like four stone, which during is actually pregnancy. during pregnancy. Like by the time I gave birth, I was four stone heavier than I had been before I got pregnant. Um, which I actually see as a bit of a point of pride now. Like <laughs> It's quite a lot. But as I said, I loved Haribo. But can um, I just
1: stop you there because I talk a lot a lot about body Mm. on the channel and I'm actually reading um, the author escapes me now but you are not a before picture by Alex Light is the author yeah and it's basically a deep dive into diets and women and bodies and weight Mm -hmm. and why it's such a massive issue because it is an issue and why are we all so unhappy because Mm. we aren't happy with our bodies Mm. and actually when you look into it it's all external sources Mm -hmm. and overweight is totally different for everyone and a dangerous amount of overweight is different for everyone and i think we are told we've got to sit within a certain way and weight gain is not good and i actually the more i look into it the more i disagree with it like so you gaining four stone you were pregnant and your everything, your psychology, your emotions, your hormones—everything was changing. Yeah. So I don't see that as a something you should be hard on yourself about.
2: I don't. I didn't and I really. Think a lot of
1: women also gain. Wait, well, well, there's that do. just
2: classic narrative of like you give birth and you're supposed to just snap back and then you yeah. see these like amazing celebs who were like, oh, I gave birth like 10 minutes ago and look at me in my bikini and you're like, okay, cool. But like, that's just not really normal. Like yeah. that does happen for some women yeah. and like that's fine. And I'm not, you know, those women that that happens to you shouldn't be judged for it because to your point, everyone's body's different. Everyone's, you know, genetic makeup is different where we all maybe carry Fat is different. It's like, you know, you can't... It's not the same for everyone. So I don't think just because someone's body does do that, they shouldn't be judged for it unless they're, like, maybe bragging about it. But that didn't happen for me. Like, it honestly took me a year, I think. Like, pretty much around my daughter's first birthday, it probably started to, like, feel like myself. And I... Like, I was conscious of what I was eating. I was, you know, in the back of my mind, I did want to lose the baby weight. But that's just from a personal point of view. That, because, you know, I'm not trying to prove a point to anyone else. It's just, I didn't feel quite myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I'd had 35 years of being someone. So then, like, my body was hijacked, you know, in the best possible way for nine months. And like it took took me nine months to grow her so like to, to for me to kind of expect that I just wake up the next day and it would all be gone again and I'd be how I was before like was just yeah. naive really yeah um
1: but I think that's the thing that people don't talk about and you know we do have this um expectation that we are just gonna snap back mm. and you know you've just said a very obvious but very good point in that it takes nine months to grow this mm. little baby so it's gonna take the same amount, if not longer, to get back. Because your life's changed as well. Your lifestyle is completely wildly, unbeknowingly different to what it was prior.
2: Totally. But also like everyone's focusing on the external. Don't forget you've literally had a full size child inside you Yeah. Who like your all your internal organs get smushed to the side. Like everything just moves around in there. So That doesn't all just, like, snap back either. Like, your uterus doesn't go back to normal size for six weeks. Yeah, yeah. Like, so there's just so much going on internally as well. And, like, you get things like diastasis recti where, like, your stomach muscles have stretched and separated. Like, they've got to find their way back to each other and make friends again. Like, there's so much going on in your body. Like, you just got to be nice to yourself. Like, it takes time. And, like, don't put yourself on some crazy diet because... You're sleep deprived at the best of times. Crikey, if you can't like have some pizza and enjoy life, then yeah. you're being too mean to yourself, is all I'd say. I think that's a life motto for
1: <laughs> eat <pizza>. all the
2: time. <laughs> eat pizza and enjoy life. Because I
1: know, right? There's so much more. And I'm speaking from personal experience. I've honestly spent years and years and years being miserable and unhappy and on diets. And I know my body within an inch like, a to me. I know everything. Mm. I'm, I've observed it. I've become obsessed with it. I'm yeah. now becoming unobsessed with it because I just think as women, we're told to be perfect and it's yeah. fucking impossible. And
2: peace but what honest. is perfect? Exactly. Whose idea of perfect? Exactly. What are the perfect that you're fed, like, daily on it, like, from Instagram and yeah. advertising billboards or whatever? Like, that's just someone profiting from dictating what they think perfect is and it's not even real anyway it's all airbrushed and edited and tucked and nipped and yeah that's all bullshit sorry to swear but it's like I don't know you've just it's very easy I guess to be preachy and I don't really want to come across like that at all but and maybe maybe pregnancy gave me a slightly new perspective because like I've not necessarily always loved my weight or my size or you know whatever and I'm definitely guilty of comparing myself to like other people but I just think life's too short yeah, just enjoy it and you know going back to vaginas and vulvas like they all look different they all are different and it's the same with our entire body it's not we don't all have the same eyes we don't all have the same hair color we don't all have the same freckles and moles and foot size yeah you know, everything is different and that's something to be kind of celebrated
1: yeah I think so and I think we're digressing massively, and we'll get back to topic in a minute. But this is it's it's interesting conversation because it's relevant, and I think it is something. But once you find your normal and your happy place and your sweet spot, this kind of no going back. So like doing whatever it takes, mm. self work, or just a light bulb moment, having a baby and realizing mm. there's more to life than worrying about, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: you know. And you know what? A I look at my a pizza. I look at my wibbly wobbly belly now, and I'm like. Well, that was your home for nine months.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
2: like, you're pretty cool. And like, that's cool that you were in there. And like, that's like my memory. Fine. It might not be wobbly forever. It might be. I don't know. But I just, I think I'm less stressed about it. Yeah. But as I said, I mean, I'm saying all this. It did take me a year. Yeah. To feel back to myself, and that maybe that was weight related. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't. I think there's so much going on. Like you, you're lacking in sleep. Like I chose to breastfeed, so. There's that extra kind of like strain on your body. I say strain, like it's amazing and incredible and I've loved it. But you know, you're providing that that life source to your child as well. Like there's just so much going on. So yeah, it took it took me a year. And I Mm -hmm. think like you know, when I've spoken to friends, they've all kind of similar. Some people quicker, some people longer. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, it's it's just different for everyone. No, it is interesting. Um but yeah, we did digress. So we were talking, no, no, it's fine, it's it's really interesting conversation and I think really relevant um but yeah so changes in pregnancy and we can experience a wealth of change again won't be the same for everyone and then I guess is the next stage menopause
2: yeah so then you'd probably come across or come up to um and also like just on the pregnancy thing you've obviously got fertility and infertility and yeah, that's yeah. like a huge topic in itself yeah that affects everyone differently sure there's so many different options available to people um so yeah i mean that's that's a whole podcast on its own yeah. i think going I think going down that road but um you know I, I as i said i was very lucky it's not always so straightforward for everyone um yeah. and that's a huge part of a woman's life if if they are affected by infertility because. You feel like you're being let down by your gynecology, kind of right? You know, yeah, like yeah. and anyway. No, I I'll think the whole conversation for another day, and I'm I'm certainly no expert on infertility either, so I don't want to. Yeah. Say
1: and anything. I think yeah, and I think that's thanks for flagging that because I think there's also a lot of women who are going through it or have gone through it. Um, I'd be keen to actually pick that up on another podcast, yeah. so we'll chat about that
2: separately, but. So, after that, I guess, is where then perimenopause comes in. So, okay. that's the like pre menopause where you start getting okay. symptoms before you're in full menopause, as it were. And that is, as with everything gyne related, there's just huge gaps in people's knowledge. And
1: I just, just what, on that. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you, no, but no. on that, I just think. And again to keep referencing Katie's episode, I'd honestly never thought about the menopause until that conversation. Mm. Never even thought what's gonna happen to my body. Yeah. And I'm thirty one, you know, it's gonna be twenty years ish when it happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I also think a lot of women who get to that age don't ever think about it until no. it happens. Because no. we there's no, not no education about it, but very little. It's not
2: talked about. No. There's Something like 43, like, recognised or commonly acknowledged perimenopause symptoms. 43. God, okay. Like, that's bonkers. Yeah. And to think that, like, there are so many women out there going through all of these things, and, like, that, I think they're just so often dismissed. And, again, this all comes back to, like, knowing you're normal and knowing what, what's normal for you, because I think a lot of women feel like they're going crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Because these things are happening and they don't put two and two together, yeah. and I, you know, yeah, I'm I'm not at that age just yet either, but I'm not also a million miles away from it. Yeah. Um, but as we said earlier in the podcast, like there's more conversation around menopause now, which is brilliant, and I think women are being given time off if they need it, because it's like yeah. your body's going through an absolute yeah. storm, yeah, and we're all so, expected to just turn up to work and carry on as normal, yeah. like nothing's going on, and actually you're like you know experiencing severe sweats and whatever
1: yeah and we weren't going to all 40 or 43 but I will link to <laughs> I will link to um <laughs> yeah.
2: your I'm like hold on <laughs> let me reel them off <laughs> no
1: no absolutely not but I will link to your website um where people can find out more information but um just name like in a brief overview I just think it's good for people to hear, including myself, about what to expect when you go through perimenopause and menopause.
2: Yeah, so on our website, you'll find links to like some key kind of influencers and, and good like social accounts, I guess, to follow. They're okay. they're definitely the experts. I'm not saying that we necessarily are at Lady Garden, we're sort of more the cancers, but yeah. definitely there's, there's um, places you can go to via our website. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's perimenopause symptoms, it's things like night sweats. I think everyone's sort of commonly knows about like the, you know, I'm having a hot flush. Yeah. Um, you can have trouble concentrating. Your mood can massively change because obviously it's hormones, isn't it? Um, you can get headaches, uh, night sweats, vaginal dryness. You can have issues with like sleep. Your sleep's massively affected. Yeah. So like all things that literally will affect how you feel on a daily yeah. basis and how you can function. Like if you've not had any sleep the night before or yeah, whatever, it's just, yeah. Yeah. be aware of them i guess and yeah i think what blows my mind most is that there's this whole generation of women that get to that age they get to the menopause age and they don't realize what's happening yeah even though they're like you know mid to late 40s and older we all know it's part of a woman's life right we all know it's coming but yet we all sort of or a lot of people get to it still really ignorantly yeah and i think that's it all again comes down to like what we're trying to do at the lady garden and that is like instilling the confidence in people to know their bodies so that they recognize when these things are happening and it doesn't come as a shock and it doesn't come as a big you know surprise or scare people Mm -hmm. and it and it's giving I guess it all goes down to the younger generation right it's giving girls that are coming up to their period age the confidence to know like this is what a period is. This is what is happening to my body. This is what it could feel like. This is what my period blood could look like. These are the options I have available to me in terms of dealing with my period. Tam- um, tampons, pads, etc. Then right through to pregnancy, fertility, all of that, and so on and so forth, smear tests. It's its the confidence on your full female gyny journey throughout life. So that by the time you get to menopause it's not a surprise and you know what to expect and you recognize it and then you can go and get HRT or whatever you need to kind of help you deal with it. Yeah, I
1: completely agree and I think I'm really glad to be having this conversation and these conversations and just, you know, we talked a little bit before, but if this conversation educates 10, 5, 50 women yeah. Then great, like that's great. That's raised awareness. So, yeah, it's 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 really good.
2: I think. No, if you don't already know, go and Google gynae anatomy and just test yourself and check that you can name the different parts: your ovaries, your womb, cervix, etc. Your vulva, your labia—you know, you name it. Literally, go and name it. Yeah. And just really ha- sit down and just give yourself. 10 minutes, half an hour, whatever, to really think about your body. Not anyone else's, just your own. What are your periods like? Are they regular? Get an app and track them just to remind yourself or make yourself realize what's going on. And just give yourself time to really know and understand what is normal for you. Because then when something's not normal, you will recognize it. And Speak to your friends, speak to your family, speak to your colleagues, speak to the dog walker, whoever it takes, whoever you're going to feel comfortable talking to, mm-hmm. have that conversation. Yeah. It's nothing to be embarrassed about. Like, yeah. we wouldn't be weird talking about our elbow. Mm-hmm. It was Katie, wasn't it, that said head, valve and knees and toes. And it's yeah. so true. Like, it's just another body part. It's the most, it's actually one of the best body parts because of everything it goes through and everything it does. Yeah. So we should be talking about it more anyway, but. We should, yeah, take take the embarrassment factor out because there's absolutely nothing to be embarrassed about. And like, you know, with smear tests, if you are embarrassed, just remember that that nurse has probably seen like thousands of vulvas and vaginas, and they are not judging. They, in the nicest possible way, couldn't care less what yours looks like. Yeah. Um, it, they're just there to help you and to provide a service and to be a support. So, don't be embarrassed. And if you want to go and have a wax before, and if that's going to make you feel better. All power to you, but yeah. you really don't need to. No, no. And also, another thing is sorry. No, okay. And also, and also, mm-hmm. another thing is um get take a mirror, sit on the floor yeah. with a mirror in your bedroom, and just have a good old gander at your vagina yeah. and your vulva and know what it looks like. I actually, again, I remember when I was younger, sitting in the bathroom at my at my family home with a mirror and having a look and being like, oh okay. I don't think at the time I probably could have named all the parts. Yeah. But I did, I definitely remember having a look. And then after I had my daughter, it, and I'm going to be completely honest, it took me a few months because I didn't really want to look, but I did then do the same after I'd had her and actually it all looked pretty the same. So. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. It's As you're saying it, I need to do some work here because I've never looked at mine. And as you're saying it, it's making me quince a little bit. And like... It's just a, it's, smashed, it's just an angle
2: that you've not looked at it before. It's yeah. not anything new. Yeah. It's been there the whole time. Yeah, It's just you're looking at it from a new perspective, shall yeah. we say. But a great perspective.
1: Yeah. That's my homework.
2: I mean, let's be honest. You probably let like your boyfriend or your partner or whoever, uh, you yeah. know, have a look. So if they know what it looks like, <laughs> you should know what it looks like, right?
1: Completely, yeah. It's But this, honestly, this... I've just been really transparent and open here, but this conversation is it's blowing my mind that I've never thought about a lot of this stuff before or my lack of education is really low like it's really unnerving something
2: within me so yeah. it's great that that this is
1: happening you know
2: but also if, um sorry I've had a pound for every time I said but also yes. um we talked or well, you touched earlier upon the kind of issues in terms of education at school and we're not being taught about this stuff so if you are listening to this podcast and you have a daughter or a son or a niece and a nephew or a cousin or anyone maybe younger who you think is not getting that information or could do with maybe just a family member or a friend talking to them about it go and talk to them about it
1: yeah normalizing it yeah yeah really it, it, really it can
2: be an everyday conversation yeah it should be an everyday conversation it should be yeah we've talked about
1: the lady garden premise and a good overview of what it is but it's obviously also a charity mm-hmm. and you raise funds yep. so tell us a little bit more about how you do that where that money goes
2: yeah how people can donate um so we have to date since uh, the charity was founded in twenty fourteen, we've actually raised and donated two point four million um to the Royal Marsden. Yes. Um we have funded various things with that money. Um so we fund research projects into like I mean it's all medical speak that's far beyond my brain power, but lots of incredible, incredible research projects that ultimately are trying to find cures for these cancers or better treatments for them. Um there's no one-size-fits-all approach to cancer treatment. Um, and actually, one of the very first projects that we funded with Dr. Banerjee was a personalized treatments um, project to kind of investigate what did work for some and why it didn't and what you, how you could adapt it. And so we do some phenomenal um, funding there. Um, and then we've also done things like equipment. So quite recently, we funded the purchase of some scalp cooling caps, um so like when you have chemotherapy obviously quite often you can lose your hair and it's it's a cooling scalp cooler i think is the official name for them um and it just helps you to maybe not lose your hair so quickly or not lose your hair as much it kind of it's literally like a hat basically that you put on that cools your hair follicles down so things like that equipment wise we've um funded colposcope and camera systems um so yeah we fund a whole variety of things really um as well as the education side of stuff. Um, but the Royal Mildsland is very, very important to us and, and always will be. Um, yeah. um, in terms of how we fundraise, um, obviously you can head to our website and, and donate if you would like to. Um, but we tend to run a series of events throughout the year. Um, the one we're maybe most famous for is our Lady Garden Run, which we usually do um, in the springtime in Hyde Park. And we just all get together, do like five or 10k around the park on a sunny day. And we have fitness instructors doing workouts and it's just the most brilliant sort of community event um where everyone gets together for a great cause um Mm -hmm. so yeah there's lots of different ways you can get involved and again check out our website um for how and if you've got any ideas or anything you maybe want to do with us send us a message because we'd love to hear from you
1: yeah and any i guess anyone who's listening you know we have a lot of beauty listeners and founders that listen so if anyone does want to get involved i guess drop you a note absolutely yeah
2: yeah yeah, definitely. Our brand partners, as I said, are very important to us just in ca- in terms of spreading what we're talking about and spreading that awareness to their audiences. So, yeah, yeah. do get in touch.
1: Um, the episode will be coming out in September yes. and September is quite a special month
2: for yeah. Lady Garden. So September is Gynecological Cancer Awareness Month. So it is our most special and favouritest month of the year because... I mean, we talk about vaginas January to December, but um, September's when, I guess, as I said earlier, the spotlight has shone on them more, these cancers. So I would urge your listeners to go and check out our website, just do some reading, you know, read up on some symptoms and signs, you know, the cancers so you know what to look for. Um, Check out our Instagram account, give us a follow. Um, Yeah, there's tons you can get involved with. You can do some fundraising for us. We talk on our website about all the things that we... um, fundraise for and what we do with the money that we raise so obviously if you're doing any charity challenges bear us in mind (laughs) um but yeah just more importantly just just clue yourself up on your own gynae anatomy
1: yeah and go to your smears yeah
2: and tell us what you like to call yours because we love hearing the names (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah what do you call yours Chloe?
1: i honestly just call my my vagina yeah i'm quite comfortable with the word vagina it's a great word other words not so much Such like as? Fanny makes me even feel a bit <laughs> to say it I just had a big and <laughs> I get shy <laughs> um but yeah I call my, my vagina. but like you said like it's fine to yeah. have a name for it as long as you're totally educated on it front bum names are fun right
2: names are so fun I think my favourite is the notorious VAG <laughs> It just makes it sound really badass and it is badass and I just it love is. that one. Yeah. But yeah, we like hearing them. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many. So you really can good go ones. onto your socials, can't you, and just like return. Oh, yeah. There's tons. Yes, please come and comment. Tell us your favourites. Um <laughs> I want to hear some new ones. <laughs> it is fun.
1: Um, okay, so final question I ask everyone on the show is what is your version of beauty?
2: So I guess I knew you were going to ask me this question, so I have given this some thought. I'm not someone that maybe wears a ton of makeup or uses a ton of beauty products. I'm quite so
1: always about beauty, like physical beauty. Though it's,
2: I think my idea of beauty is just being happy and being a nice person. And I, I think what I thought of because I knew you were going to ask me this question. I thought of that really amazing Roald Dahl quote that he's really famous for. And he just says, if you have good thoughts, it will shine out of your face like sunbeams and you will always look lovely. And I think that's so true. If you're a nice person and you're kind and smiley and happy, then you will look beautiful always. Um, and if not, for me, maybe a lick of mascara. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, it's... And, you know, I never ask that question in the, in the hope that someone talks about... And actually... Surprisingly, unsurprisingly, people don't really answer it in a physical way, it's more an emotive way, so yeah. that's a really, really nice answer. And it's so interesting that everyone just answers them so differently. <laughs> um, but no, thank you, and thank you for this, because thank you, it's been a really interesting conversation, but also really important Just to just spark
2: a conversation or yeah. a thought in someone's mind, yeah. or do you know what if, if nothing else comes out of this other than it gets people talking and as you said earlier 10 people learn something if those 10 people go and tell two people each yeah and so on and so forth then like the word is spreading and that's all we want and um, if you have any questions or if anyone is worried about anything or maybe doesn't feel like they have someone they can talk to slide into our dms send us an email like we are here we are so happy to talk about it and um, we can point the right direction for some you know medical advice and things like that so don't be scared it's it's good you know it's good to talk about it it is
1: but no thank you um yeah thanks a lot
2: no worries thanks for having me
1: if you like this episode hit subscribe and leave us a review